The sound of the African bush waking up. This week's podcast is a special. We have Robin Ricardo in South Africa. But just going back to podcast 76 about Yorkshire boarding, Phil, I understand that several listeners have emailed in and actually they beg to differ with your description of Yorkshire boarding. Well, it is interesting, yes. I, I, I forget who it was who first said I think it actually it was one of your Nuffield Scholar colleagues who said that their idea of Yorkshire boarding was that it overlapped, but there were gaps within it which may very well be right i have been brought up to believe that how what does that work what for those listeners who can't see farmer phil he's actually describing it with his hands and they're going like <laughs> this <laughs> this is a audio file phil oh right oh <laughs> It's very difficult to explain. So my yeah. idea of Yorkshire boarding is vertical planks nailed on the side of the barn with a gap between each plank okay. about the thickness of the plank. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, it has been suggested to me that proper Yorkshire boarding had got the planks offset so that they overlapped. So if you looked at it square on, you couldn't see through. Right, right. But round the sides of the spaced out planks were the gaps yeah. in between. Clear as mud. So there we are. If ever you want to know about Yorkshire boarding, you must listen to the Wiggly podcast. Perhaps you'd like to give us a review on iTunes about Yorkshire boarding. That would be just a jolly job because the last review we had was the beginning of March. Perhaps it would be handy if somebody from Yorkshire told us what the hell Yorkshire boarding is. Any Yorkshire listeners out there who know what Yorkshire boarding is, please come on down. So, Rich, tell us about your South African adventure just before we hear from the Botanical Gardens curator. Okay, oh, it was a great holiday. It all went very, very quickly. It doesn't seem as though I've been away, in fact, but I suppose that's a sign of a good holiday. But yeah, Cape Town, beautiful. I went to Robin Island where Nelson Mandela was incarcerated, and that was a really good trip because we were shown round by one of the old prisoners, because they were predominantly they were political prisoners. So anyway, this guy showed us around and he told us about his experience. He would put there when he was 16 years of age for four years and tortured relentlessly because he was a student activist. I mean, how, how grim is that? But also went diving with great whites. That was well, you fantastic. You got your diving exam sorted, Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, eventually, yeah, sorted, sorted that. But we saw seven different fish. And the biggest we saw was four and a half metres long, about two wow. tonnes. Two tonnes. And that was a big kipper. That was a big fish. So that was a great Were experience. Were you in a cage? Yeah, in a cage. Yeah, yeah. yeah Probably cage, the best yeah. thing after what uh, you've I, done I to various so. other sure. fish. There could have been a bit of retribution. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, But I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think I've quite got the guts to go free diving with, uh, with great whites. I mean, free diving with sharks, certain species, fine. But great whites, well, I'm not that confident, you know. I don't think Remember I'm not there the yet. ladder. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Remember the ladder. <laughs> Uh, so uh, and then and then we went. Uh, we had a couple of days on safari, and there's a, there's a lovely recording that um, that the listener may well have listened to. In fact, uh, about the African bush just waking up. But we stayed in these fantastic little lodges ensconced in the bush, overlooking a beautiful, lush river valley with lots of acacias and all sorts of really interesting shrubs. 
but we, you know, you get go on a game drive in the evening, come back, a little bottle of bubbly on ice by the bath. The bath overlooked the beautiful, beautiful Decadence. lush vegetation. Oh, beautiful bed done down. You know, just before you go to bed, living little joggy Whoa. treats on the thing. We went inland. We drove through some some mountain fires one day to go to a place called Prince Albert, which is uh, in the Kleinkaroo. That was great. A lot of um, really interesting architecture. Oh, get on with it. What are we going to hear about? And and. <laughs> <laughs> you're so rude. Gonna, I was gonna, uh, you're so rude. I have, I have missed you. I was going to say that he's got, he's got so enthusiastic about it. All sorts of yeah. carbon footprints have gone out of the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting carbon footprint theory. But the interview that I managed to get was from the, the curator of Kirsten Bosch Gardens. He was a lovely bloke, uh, and he, you know, he told me about the, the creation of, of uh, what, what is a, a world heritage site. Well worth listening to. Fantastic. God, he goes on, doesn't he? <laughs> Here we are. John, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you very much for meeting me and spending a bit of time to, yeah, uh, to come, and, to come and chat to me. We, we're, we're walking up a beautifully spongy lawn in the Botanical Gardens in Kirstenbosch in Cape Town. And as I, I look out, the sun's beaming down on me. Beautiful. It's kind of an autumnal afternoon, isn't it, really? Yes, <laughs> And, uh, and literally, the, the mountains are rising above us. What are those called, John, those mountains? Well, this is part of Table Mountain, but this is known as Castle Rock, the one directly in front of us. And in the gorge on the, on the right is Skeleton Gorge, and on the left is Nursery Gorge. Right. And this is a very co- uh, popular access route to the, up to the top of the mountain. Right, right, OK. It is absolutely beautiful. There's, they're really craggy gorges, aren't they? Yes, yes. They're littered with, with, with greenery, and it is very green, isn't it? Well, fortunately, we have water. And it rains in the winter because we have a Mediterranean climate, and there's always enough rain to fill our catchment down. Right, right. So consequently, we have sufficient water to irrigate. Right. And that's why the lawns look so good. They irrigate them at night, and it's all computerised. So you've, you've spent many years working here, haven't you? Yes. Well, since 1967. Right. And that's about, what, 30, 34 years, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a reasonable amount of time. So <laughs> maybe, that time too, maybe too long. Yeah, yeah, some might say. Yeah. Some might say, certainly. But, I mean, you must have seen a lot of changes in that time. Yes, lots of changes. Uh, well, well, we didn't have an irrigation system when I came here. Right. Why was it started? Why were the Botanical Gardens started originally? Well, it was started in 1913. The people at the time realised the need to have a botanical garden because of the wealth of the flora in this country. So how significant is the, is the botanical gardens with regards to the, the, the flora found in the western... Oh, it's, the most, it's probably the most important botanic garden in, in southern Africa, particularly to the flora's concerned. But Kirstenbosch is one of eight gardens in the organisation. Right. They established regional gardens in the 1970s, 1980, between 1970 and 1980. So you have a garden in Betty's Bay, which is about an hour's drive from here, on the way to Amarnas. And then you've got one in Worcester, which is the, a, a desert garden. And you have one Where in Worcester. Worcester? Worcester is just over the, the Hex River Mountains, and just into the, the drier part of the country. Okay, we've just spun round and we've got a whole new view in front yes. of us, haven't we? <laughs> yes, yes you're now looking yeah. east. Right. Yes. That's yeah. absolutely astonishing. Yeah, so yeah. the plateau is sort of infilled with, with what is Cape Town, I guess. That's right, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and it rises above into yeah. this, this yeah. splendid kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a circle of, uh, of ruggedy mountains. It's the Hicks River Mountains. Right, OK. 
and then you have gardens in Bloemfontein, which is in the centre of the country, and you have one in Natal, Peter Maritzburg, and then of course in Pretoria, where the, the capital of the country, there's a botanic garden there, and, the court, and again in in Nelspruit, which is not far from the Kruger National Park. Right. It's sort of subtropical. And the other garden is it is just on the, the East Strand, which is uh, not far from Johannesburg. Right. It's the Walter Sassoula Botanic Garden. And all those gardens are, are relatively young, apart from the Peter Marisberg Garden, which is probably the oldest. It's, I think it's, it's over 100 years old, which is old for us. Yeah, but but sure. Kirstenbosch is, is only, well, 1913, you see, so it's yeah. got a few years to go before it gets to the century. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and the others... All started in, the, as I said, in the, between the 70s and 80s, when they they had this whole big drive. The director at the time wanted to develop these regional gardens, and uh, so this is the main botanic garden. There, there are other botanic gardens which are run by the local government, like uh, the Durban Botanic Garden in Durban itself. Yeah, yeah. It's a, how botanic many species of, of plants are, are there all told in this garden? No, I can't tell you offhand because they continually. Uh, out collecting because the policy for the organisation is to grow the, f- the flora of, of Southern Africa, the, the indigenous species. So we, we don't really grow the exotics from other countries. But although you see the oaks and that sort of thing, but they're here historically because this was a, a farm before the garden was developed. Right, right. And yeah. uh, so they've retained these oak trees. So that's, it's, uh, it's superb, in fact, the way you say that all these species, all these, uh, the species in this garden are, are effectively native species. So they're yes. indigenous to the Well, to the, well Cape. the majority, yes. Right. No, of the whole of the country. Oh, South Not only the Western Cape, the Southern okay. Cape. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was just saying to you earlier on, it, it conjures up images of that uh, we've got um, a couple of places in the UK that called uh, Gardens of Heligan and the Eden Project based yeah. down in the southwest of, of, uh, of England and, yeah. uh, which is a relatively mild county um, and uh, there's a, a chap that um, set them up or at least had a, a, had a goodly hand in setting them up called Tim Smith and I know he makes frequent visits over here and I think when I look round I think he's definitely drawn some of his in- inspiration from here <laughs> yeah. for sure because yeah. there, are, there are similarities you know mm. but when I look around you know, there's, there's a lot of colours a, a lot of vivid colours as well you know for the time of year because this is, this is your autumn isn't it yes we're coming into the early autumn now We've been fortunate this summer. Normally the summers are quite dry, but this summer we've had rains at sort of regular intervals, which is re- which really helps generally the, the countryside. But as I said earlier, the, the garden has a big catchment dam and they, they have sufficient water to irrigate the garden. Yeah. So that's why it's looking so green. Mm. And uh, Well, I think a, a, a well-kept lawns always help a great deal with yeah. the, the <laughs> I garden. Think you're, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> what about the oaks? Where did they come from originally? When the early settlers came, they used all the, the local timber for the ships and for building and this sort of thing. And eventually they started running out of timber, and so therefore they started bringing in species from all over the world, like eucalyptus and acacias and poplar and oaks. Okay. And uh, this is how it all happened. And then, of course, they started growing these things in order to produce timber because they needed timber. Yeah, because yeah. Because in South Africa we don't have big trees. Right. Our trees don't. Uh, the yellowwoods are probably some of the biggest, but... Uh, Nothing like some of the European trees and American trees, which are, are get quite 
substantial. Sure, sure. And so uh, we needed these exotic trees for, for timber in those days. Yeah, I was, I was amazed yesterday. Sarah and I came up here for the first time and uh, we saw oaks and Sarah said, oh, the ass, oh that's the size of these oaks. You know, that's kind of reminiscent of, of something that you'd see in Herefordshire, where I come from. <laughs> exactly. The whole county is proliferated in, yeah. in trees very similar yes, to that. Yeah. So, well, you know, the thing is, as I said, this was a farm and then the farmers, I presume, you know, there's still remnants of avenues uh, where they obviously planted oaks uh, but then they, they also planted oaks because at the time they, they were farming with pigs and, and of course the pigs were the feed that the pigs uh, lived on was were the acorns right and right. so this is how and then of course uh, Cecil John Rhodes introduced the grey squirrel right and uh, which now he's now dominant here yeah. it's yeah. funny you say that in the UK because it's the grey squirrels and their hordes are driving out the indigenous populations of reds that's it they carry all sorts of hideous diseases and whatnot very aggressive species but you know with all these trees here and then with the squirrels in this part of the world we have problems with what we call alien vegetation it's mainly Australian the, the acacias right, and right. they just take over and uh, we've had big programs here at Kirstenbosch in the upper reaches of clearing all these alien vegetation which was mainly acacia and of course the oaks up in those natural regions are also spread by the squirrels they take the acorns up into the higher regions and, and so they, this is how they spread yeah, sure. so we have to control all that and I, I think some people would say oh well why bother controlling them but actually I think you know because it, it's human it's the human hand that's, uh, that's caused the problem in the first place so it's the human hand that should rectify it isn't it in many respects well the, the acacias are very aggressive what we call Port Jackson and uh, they just smother the, the natural vegetation which is the fame bush here in the Western Cape and it's a real major problem and if you go onto the Cape Flats which we're looking at there's, there's a lot of it, and originally the, the entire Cape Flats was covered in Port Jackson. Right. And uh, I suppose it served its purpose at the early days, trying to uh, stabilise the sand dunes and that sort of thing. Mm. But uh, they become a problem with our uh, native vegetation, and so we've we've had to remove it. And we've been very successful here at Kirstenbosch. If you go up into the upper reaches, it's we just see the odd plot and, and I mean how significant is Kirstenbosch in, 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 in kind of um, in relation to the, the ecology of, uh, of, of South Africa I mean how, how is it how is it considered how is it looked upon well I think I think very favourably we try to uh, you know as I say well we grow the uh, the native species and when it comes to uh, the ecology itself we uh, try to uh, go along with nature and protect the, the flora and and everything that's here. We also have fauna here too, various animals which I was, I was, I was I noticed a couple of fantastic wasps as we as we started to oh, walk yes. up. You know, great big long, mm. Uh, mm. almost similar to a kind of something like a pine wasp that we that we'd see at home. Yes. Um, but they were wood boring wasps, weren't they? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And those are those are stunning yeah. creatures. What what else would you see here? Porcupine. Really. On occasions we've had baboon here. There's a big wasp there, look flying across. That's a, that's a stunning creature. Yes, yes. The the uh, the other thing I read, I noticed that, um, that we, what we don't have at home are birds that pollinate flowers, um, not not yes, specifically. Yes. Um, but I noticed here, I read earlier on that the ericas and the proteas, which are absolutely beautiful plants in their own right, um, I think that, aren't they? They're kind of specifically pollinated by sunbirds. That's right. Yes, yes. And, and if you want to see them, you can you go higher up. We have the protea garden, erica garden. 
time. Right. And you can see these birds in action, yeah. Right, yeah, well, I think we're gonna I think we're probably gonna wander up there yes, now and have a, yeah. have a look. But you know, apart from the gardens, we have a very big research element in the organization. Right. You know, and they do a lot of work in terms of global warming and this sort of thing. Right. How big is the site all told? How many acres does it cover? Over five hundred hectares. It goes right. right up to the top of the mountain. Right. You know there are about seventeen kilometres of trails. Really? Yes, yeah. and the the natural forest up there. That's huge. Really, yeah, it's big. massive. Yeah, but the the garden itself uh, is only about um, fifty hectares. The developed garden, right, mm. right, only fifty hectares. <laughs> <laughs> well, in comparison to the belt. yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You know, and the, and the general public really, as you can see, the topography is interesting. It's not flat. No, it's not. So, so therefore, you can't just keep on developing up there because the general public, or well, majority, don't like. Uh, walking, they, they want to be comfortable, and yeah. you don't want to put them to too much strain. No, sure, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a <laughs> well, there are, of course, there's always the the opportunity to walk the trails, which yeah, people can do. Yeah, a topography like this though is so much more interesting than flat, isn't it? You know, you've you've got a, a massive diversity of, of species, but of, of interest. You know, the topography I think makes all the difference. Yes, but we've also, you know, you've got to cater for uh, wheelchairs and sure. this type of thing. This is actually quite important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want, uh, you want to uh, make sure that everybody's welcome and accommodated for. Yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. They have a braille trail here for the blind and that sort of thing, which also then hopefully can be used by those who have difficulty in seeing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what did you find when you were working here? You say you, you left the, the organisation the, for the majority of, the, of, of time in 2001, and now yes. you, spend your, uh, you spend your time here on a, on a voluntary basis. That's right. Yeah. What, what, what did you find yourself doing a lot of when you were fully employed here? Well, I was the curator of the garden. Right, OK. So, so I, I spent most of my time in the office, unfortunately. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yes, but I had, I had interests. I mean, at t- there were stages I interested in, in Erica's and Dyer's. Um, it's awkward. Right. Uh, Pride of Table Mountain, I don't know if it's a very spectacular. Well, where you, I met you at the uh, information there were some Dyer's right. on, on the counter there. You can right. see they're quite a, a, a sort of red, red flowers, very attractive. Absolutely. And uh, yes, I've had, and also interest in, in cycads. Right. Yeah. But I've never had, never, when I was working, I never had much time to get involved with that. And latterly, before, just before I retired, I got involved with uh, Clivia. I spent some time collecting because Cliv- we didn't Clivia, have what, do they, what do they look like? It's a bulbous plant. Um, in nature, they grow in shade in the forests. Right. And uh, they are predominantly known for their orange flowers, but you get quite a range in them nowadays with the breeding and uh, collecting that's uh, taking place. You get yellows through to peaches and that sort of thing. And there are about um, six different species in right. the genus, so it's not a big species, a right. genus. Right, yeah. right. Mm. It, was, it was interesting when I was walking around because you kind of imagine that you travel this far and then everything that you saw was alien because it doesn't quite work like that now, does it? <laughs> um, and there are, there are many species of plant. Uh, the the, the uh, things that look a bit like foxgloves, digitalis, uh, and also the, there are other species or genus, the sca- like, they look a bit like scabiosas. Um, Which is scabiosa, the blue one? Right, it's the same, right, ge- same, same, same genus, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. and you've got these, I mean, the guys here, these, these very vivid orange looking plants look, look very Octo- much like marigolds. An octotus, it is, it is. Right, right. Yeah. So there are summer you know. flowering octotus. But our main colour display is in the spring, in early spring, with uh, all the spring flowering yeah, annuals. Sure. Yeah. Right, right. And then we've got a, there's a very big bulb collection 
and also a big succulent collection. Right. But that's mainly in the in the conservatory. I've got to say, I mean, I could recommend this this, this place to uh, to anybody, any of our listeners that are uh, considering a trip to Cape Town, mm. should definitely come here because mm. it, it, it's superb. It's mm. very, it's um, it's it is unique. Um, and what I will say, John, is thank you very much for having a chat with me, and uh, and I look yeah. forward to. And you you should listen to this as well. See how it turns yeah, out because you can you know you can listen. You literally you go onto the website. There, yeah? No, no, it's, it's still, still going. going. It's still going. No, but you can edit it, can you? you yeah. I can, yeah, it can be edited, yeah, but Michael yeah. tends to edit. He's uh, absolutely superb, but he he's uh, is slightly. Um, idiosyncratic and uh, he has an interesting choice of what he edits oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> so when I present him with this recording yeah. it remains to be seen but anyway John thank you very no, much great indeed. pleasure that was fantastic Rich you didn't go on in that at all <laughs> <laughs> right for those listeners who missed last week's competition this is how it is. We have got the most wonderful wiggly cap to give away and our book. And if you listen to this sound and tell us what it is and get it right, it's, it's yours. If you come out of the hat, if you come out of the hat, it's yours. Email Richard at Wiggly Wigglers, Heather at WigglyWigglers.co.uk. Go to our blog, leave us a message, do whatever you like. You'll find out at the website, but let us know what you think this is. Over to Monty for his worm cast before we end this week's podcast. Monty's Worm Facts by Mastos Parvus, the American Barkworm. It's quite small at less than two centimetres long. So next week's show, dear listener, remember is going to be a video. So I hope you've got your video iPod ready or your computer set to video because it's gonna be a corker. We've already recorded it. I know it's fantastic. I am lying, but it will be good. (laughs) How to set up your can of worms from Wiggly Wigglers. Bye from me, Heather. Bye. And bye from me, Farmer Phil. Hope Michael's video recorder works.